are listening to The Embodiment Project, a podcast exploring the multiple dimensions of people of color and all of the ways we embody our gifts in the world. How do you embody your highest self? This week on The Embodiment Project. There's still a power dynamic because I have to give you a grade because I have to, you know, create these assignments you know that that have all these rules and regulations so i still have to abide by certain things that that will perpetuate a power dynamic but i'm gonna try as much as possible to kind of shift that in a way that feels like we're still going in there and not you know imposing these unnecessary expectations on our students hey y'all Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) It's been a minute. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the Embodiment Project. I'm your girl, Danelia Arechiga. And yes, welcome back. We took a short hiatus because, you know, life happens. Life has had lots of transitions and changes for me and my family. We are doing okay. Um, I will get into that in a later episode. But for right now, we are back with three brand new, fresh episodes, hot off the press. So before we begin, I would like to give a super special shout out to our new editor, Jordan Cowling, for making these three episodes possible. With Jordan's skilled editing and audio expertise, I can now focus on more of the creative aspects of this podcast as we get ready to launch season two very soon. So to those who have or are wanting to support this podcast, know that your donations and support on my buymeacoffee.com page are a direct investment in the sacred support needed to keep this podcast going. Please continue to support this podcast at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Danelia, spelled D-A-N-E-L-L-I-A. Thank you, Jordan, for being here. Thank you all for supporting. And let's get into these next three episodes. Welcome back to The Embodiment Project. I'm here today with some very special guests. These two mujeres have been with me through a lot, and I've been with them Mm -hmm. through a lot. And... It is just such an honor and a pleasure to welcome them on today. Um, I have Las Doctoras, who consists of Dr. Renee Limas and Dr. Christina Rose, two of my best friends in the world. Uh, okay, so go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> I can go on and on. <laughs> We're like- Las Doctoras podcast, book club, writing, workshops. So much more, really. We bring you conversations. What's what's Renee's uh, tagline? <laughs> On reproductive justice, dismantling white male cis hetero supremacy, and really trying trying to create space for questions, mm-hmm. questions, free space for your questions. I'm Dr. Christina Rose. I teach at Cal State Dominguez Hills in Women's Studies. I am uh, the mother to Jaguar, who is five, and I currently live in Alaska. Gemini rising, so I like to travel. Virgo sun, so I like to 
have control <laughs> and Aquarius moon. So I like to dream. Mm. Yeah. I love it. So I'm Renee. Christina and I like to call each other creative partners. Yes. Um, I think that's just the perfect, yeah, the perfect way to kind of describe our relationship. I am the other half of Las Doctoras. I teach in women's studies, Chicanx studies, history, several campuses in LA. I have two kids, Cruz and Santos. My oldest will be eight next month, like in a month. Oh my gosh, crazy. And my little one is five, him and Jaguar homies. I'm married. It's always weird to say I am married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married 13 years. <laughs> we live in Long Beach. And yeah, I'm like, I feel like there's so much, right? There's so much that we do. Like you said, Christina, podcast, book club, writing course. We're also involved in our communities in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we're comadres to, you know, and that's, I want to say, here and now one this is the first podcast we've been invited to like other than our- <laughs> right I know it's so nice I so this it. is like it's super cool and I and it's such a full circle because Danelia was our first guest um two years ago two years ago and um our our first episode was released two years ago on the, it'll be in two days but anyway so that, she said yeah. anniversaries. That's why we're having a retreat on this anniversary of ours. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I just want to say that it was, Daniela was our first um, guest and we had all kinds of technical difficulties. And so it's so special because she bared with us through all our technical difficulties and recorded the episode like three times. I think that's such a, um, I always have to tell that story because I think it's important to realize like how much, um, how much our friends like come through for us. Right. And we wouldn't be here without that. And I, and I also want to say, I want to recognize a moment that um, before Christina left to Alaska and we were able to kind of get Mm -hmm. together and I left, I remember leaving and coming home be like, fuck, I am so lucky. Like, mm-hmm. I just felt so blessed to be in community with such amazing, like, women. And I'm like, fuck, how did I get so lucky to meet all these, like, rock stars? And um, the community and- is real. Actually, yeah. I was like, do we have a name for this community? You know, I feel like there's <laughs> kind of like a, a rolling one going on Instagram. Sometimes those messages get sent out, you know, and it's like, everyone share this it's like this yeah. uh group but we need a name for us because we're like a powerhouse there's so many women that we're in community with and um and I agree with with Christina was saying like how special it is that we all kind of met each other and like have been uh working like, at the same time like we are really on a same a similar trajectory as in I mean, stepping into more radical spaces for ourselves and for our children and for our community but we all have very different gifts that we're bringing to this um mm-hmm. work as comadres that we're doing you know yeah. and it just feels like we're echoing like I can you know when we talk to Aida Salazar she's like oh you know Latinx parenting and we're like oh Leslie and she's like I don't know who Leslie is but you know like <laughs> it, it's very much like we're reaching um, an, a national level, you know, together. And that's, I, I think it is this, we're like a vortex, you know, and it's just like carrying us outward. Yes. 
Yeah. And we need a name. That's basically what I was saying. I love to name things. So it was like, you know, <laughs> we like, need what's like a name? We need like a like a chola crew name, right? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. yeah. We, totally. we are a gang. I mean, if you think about it, you know. <laughs> Ride or die. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fucking fuck with us. No, I was kidding. All right. So more than anything, I wanted to welcome you all on to kind of amplify the message that you share on your podcast, through your work, through your, you know, offerings to the community. I've learned so much from you all. And I, I don't, it's information that I don't want to keep to myself, you know, um, mm-hmm. on the educational level, like you all, you're both, you're both professors in the higher education institution. And I've always admired that about you all, you know, cause I went to college and I, had a very difficult time getting through it, you know? And so t- I know what it takes to become a PhD and, you know, I've admired you all for getting through it. Cause that's a big fucking deal, you know, <laughs> like you got to work hard for that. But at the same time, you all have used your positions as professors, as teachers to our youth, to the young people and to also to other, you know, adults who decide to go back to college. But I've always kind of felt like you all were like infiltrating the system from the inside out, right? Because everything you talk about, everything you teach is just so against the institution, you know? Um, so I want to know more about that. And I know it, I know it sounds, it sounds funny because it's so radical, you know, but yeah, from your point of view, from your standpoint, I want to know what that's like for you. You know what? It's it occurs to me, and I want to compare this. And I don't know. You can all you know say no way, but um, I did the rite of Catholic initiation classes like when I was in my twenties. You know, to become Catholic, because like my my larger family is Catholic. My parents are the only ones that fun, are fundamentalists. Um, and then I was just like, why can't women be priests? And they're like, oh, we want women to be priests too. You should come and join us, and then we'll fight for that. And I was like, oh. That's not my fight. That's like, <laughs> I, I don't want to join an institution to be in part of that fight. And then I, where I realized where I'm already a part of that fight and the institution I'm a part of already is academia, right? So I think I compare it to like, it's my, it's my, I don't know it. I, I have, I have found such freedom coming from a very limited world in academia. Like I, and it's because of people, teachers, profs who have stepped in and allowed me to ask some questions, right? And allowed me and given me books to read. So there is a certain amount of freedom. So I've already, it's like family kind of, but not, I don't wanna go that far, but <laughs> but it is, It's a, there is a certain amount of things that, that they've given me as I've given to them, you know? And so, yes. I'm a part of it. I've been a part of it for my whole life, you know? Um, And um, I have somehow succeeded within that where I have it in other places. So now that I'm in there, um, my work is to ask the questions, right? Just like any kind of uh, group or community you're a part of, um, which is going against the rhetoric, I think of uh, the common rhetoric of the US right now. You can't ask questions. Patriotism doesn't mean, means Mm -hmm. not asking. But Mm -hmm. what we're saying is, yes, we're a part of it and we're going to deconstruct it, you know, Mm -hmm. at the same time. And we're going to, we're going to deconstruct the, the elements of it that, um, that didn't serve us then don't serve us now and don't serve our students now either, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's how I kind of see it. 
Yeah, I think when you say like we're infiltrating, I'm like on our best days. Yeah, like, like <laughs> when we are at our best, yes, we're going in there. And I think I think you're right, Christina, about freedom. There's for better or worse, whatever um, academia was our pa- our personal paths towards freedom, right? When we were in other spaces that we felt confined in certain ways, academia gave us our freedom. And I think at the heart, beyond being in institutions, we're educators. We would be, I know I would be an educator whether I was in the university or not. That's just, mm-hmm. my, as Sonia Renee Taylor says, my divine you know, assignment is to be an educator on some, on some way. And I think that it is, it is a balance between, you know, being in the system and trying to dismantle the system. And it's kind of this little dance that we're always playing because being in the system gives us livelihood. It allows us to survive and, and meanwhile, doing something that we love, but also being able to push back against, you know, the systems and, you know, I just always come back to like Paulo Freire and, you know, pedagogy of the oppressed mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, the Bible for radical educators. And, and or I, teaching to, ten, to transgress. Teaching right, to Bible. transgress, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think about like when we think, when we look at the history of education, right? History, or at least let's look at the university, right? If you go way back and whoever started the university, universities were meant for visionaries for thinkers right like they weren't majoring in anything they weren't you know they were they were they were going to the university to think Mm -hmm. and people held them in high regard now we know that they were men and they were white and they were probably rich you know um Mm -hmm. but the whole purpose of university was just to to foster thinking and just to like Mm -hmm philosophize and you know have all these conversations it really wasn't until university until and I actually have a whole lecture on this but people of color and women when they start to come into university all of a sudden it's it's a trade school all of a sudden we need to we need to create laborers we need to have these majors where they get trained in this particular field so they can go and become laborers to uphold capitalism you know, mm. the machine and all of that, um, because we can't allow those people to be the thinkers, to be the philosophizers. So there's, there's, and I think what we're doing in the university is reclaiming that purpose and saying we as marginalized people can be that we can just be in here to be thinkers and philosophizers, and yeah. we're not gonna just like shoot out a bunch of laborers. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that we don't all labor, we do, but. Um, but there's there's ways in which we can also be the the thinkers that that make progress in a different way. I don't know. That's kind of how I think about it. Like, yeah. in terms, I of love education. it. Yeah, I love it. Honestly, I just come back into a new identity because of esoteric essa and my natal chart reading and around <laughs> um, Aquarius Moon and being a philosopher and I was like can I say that do I want to say that is that white is that male and I was like no that's what I love to do I love to philosophize I love to ask questions and maybe that's what makes me a really good educator and maybe that's what is connected you know to to all of this um but that's not how an educator I think is defined these days which is really interesting (laughs) you know interesting because if if you went around and said you're a philosopher but you teach people could think like you're like it's you don't see them as one in the same but they are 
They are mm-hmm. one in the same. You, well, you're right, because educators are supposed thinking. to give answers. In well, like it's the, that it's the world that, that we live in, right? Instead of it's that one text. saying was those who can't do teach, and that's such mm-hmm. a like bullshit saying, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's it's like a it's like a common phrase to uh-huh. say like if you like if you can't it's like it's particularly artists like if you can't succeed as an artist then you go uh-huh. and teach art, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you can't succeed as a writer, you go and teach English, right? So those who can't do teach. <laughs> And it's it, such BS given like we were just advised actually you know where money you know where book writer writers don't make money off of books they make money off of classes teaching classes we're like yeah <laughs> guess, like, you know it's like okay I guess we're out of the game that. right that's the kind of bullshit stuff we were fed though yeah know? and yeah. and that's why when I look to you too I see people who are not going along with that who are not going to just take what they are being told to teach but mm-hmm. you're you're teaching what you think is right. You're mm-hmm. teaching your philosophy. And that's what I mean when I say they are one and the same. Yeah. You're teaching your philosophy. And everybody does it, right? Every teacher does it. Every teacher is going to teach from every what they teacher know and what they mm-hmm. what their lens is. So yeah. I don't know. I just I I wanted to emphasize this because I'm a homeschooler, mm-hmm. you know, and I came from, you know. Catholic school and I went to college because I was told I was supposed to go to college and that's the only way I could succeed is if I went to college. Mm-hmm. So I fucking went to college and it was fucking hard. It was really, really hard for me because I have like educational trauma from not being allowed to learn in the ways that I needed to learn, Yeah, you know, and that's part of what I want to talk about today as well. But, you know, I've gone the other way now. I'm a homeschooler. <laughs> I don't want to put my daughter through the traditional schooling system. You know, I want to take it back and I want to school her in the home. I want her to learn Mm -hmm. from her experiences from the world. I don't want to just feed her things, which is what I feel like I was, was done to me. I really resonate with that. Yeah. For you too, I feel like you you help me see a middle ground. It's not so Mm -hmm. black and white, you know, it's not so, it's a shade of gray because Mm -hmm in some ways you have to Hmm. play part of the institution. You have to, we have to, there's no, there's not like, how do we survive in this society without it, you know, Mm -hmm. on some level, in some form. Yeah. And so tell me what's that like for you. That's, that's, you you know, middle ground is exactly, I think, I'm like, I feel like that's been my theme for this year, for 2020, (laughs) because I feel like there's so many, there's so many extremes and it, it, it becomes overwhelming to kind of feel like what is the right thing versus like, and always back to Gloria Anseldua, right? We have to be, com- we have to get comfortable in the ambiguity. The life is ambiguous, right? There's so much ambiguity in the world. And sometimes it's in our desire to like find the right answer that we get caught up rather than saying like, can we just sit for the moment in this like, you know, confusion moment and, and see, you know, the beauty in that. You know, I think that education, right? Yeah, we do have to play in this system. We do have to sort of play that game. And you're right, though, when you say like we, I think that's something we, Christine and I come back to, like, we don't want our kids to be subjected (laughs) to the things that we were subjected to. Um, And like, how can we find alternatives and how can we be alternatives, you know, even in our classrooms where I have to go in and say, look, 
there's as much as I want to come in here with my radical pedagogy and say that we are in a mutual learning environment and I try to create that as much as possible, there's still a power dynamic because I have to give you a grade because I have to, you know, create these assignments, you know, that, that have all these rules and regulations. So I yeah. still have to abide by certain things that, that will perpetuate a power dynamic, but I'm going to try as much as possible to kind of shift that in a way that feels like we're still going in there and not, you know, imposing these un unnecessary expectations on our students, right? Like, you know, especially right now with all the shit that's going on, I've, I'm getting students that are like, oh, I'm getting sick. And I'm like, I'm just going to excuse you from that. Don't even worry about it. Like yeah. that's, it's unnecessary to do that. It's unnecessary for me to create an obstacle for you you know, in, when you look at the larger span of their educational career, it could be, it could turn them off. Like you said, it could create that trauma. And then what? You know yeah. what? I just think that we have those tools now that we didn't when we were children for a bunch of different reasons. And so that created that educational trauma, trying to give our children some of those tools, but knowing they're children. So we have like these privileges mm, now. Mm, mm -hmm. So coming into our classroom, it is a really liminal space that we walk. I mean, I'm both like, hey, I'm not white and male, but I want you to treat me with the respect that you would give to that person. <laughs> I would like to be your auntie or your friend's maybe, <laughs> but I'm not your auntie or friend right now because of that power dynamic. And if I don't recognize that, then that's abuse of my power in this classroom, you know? Yeah. So going back to like how you play a role in academia, but you kind of, like you said, you walk this like fine line, right? Between mm. institution and, and really your, I want to say, I mean, you can define it for yourself, but from what I see, it's like your your calling, your passion, your, mm. where your heart is. It's teaching folks to open up their minds a little bit more to anything, you know, ask as many questions as you can. You're not teaching them like, Hey, believe what I believe. You're just saying, Hey, open your mind a little bit. See outside yeah. of these boxes you've been contained in, whether it's through religion, whether it's through, you know, mm -hmm. trauma, whether it's through being a woman in a patriarchy, you know, or a femme in a patriarchy, like all these systems of oppression, right, that you talk about and you teach folks to just open their minds up a little bit and absorb the fact that maybe what they've known to be true their whole lives isn't real. Yeah. I mean, Christina always <laughs> says, we're trained to ask questions. If one thing we know how to ask questions and we know, we know how to teach others to ask questions because that's what critical thinking is. Right. Critical thinking. I, yeah. I think it's such like, to me, it's such a, um, it feels like some people for, for some people, critical thinking is, is like, is this strange concept or is too sophisticated. I, I remember being in a conversation where without giving away too much, like without putting people on blast too much. I just remember being in a conversation with other parents and I was sort of suggesting that we make sure that when we're reading stories to our children, we still leave space for some critical thought. And we as parents have a responsibility to, to look at what, what it is that we're exposing our children to and what we're reading our, what we're reading to our children. And just because, you know, anyway, but, um, and so people are like, so a lot, oftentimes the response is like, that's too much for 
children, right? We just want them to love reading. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we can focus on critical thinking later and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. (laughs) Like that's how we get into the mess that we're in. Fairy tales that are about Stockholm syndrome and it's totally fine to fall in love with your captor. Like that's totally- Right, it's like, oh, it's just a pretty, right. Disney is a perfect example. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's just a pretty Disney cartoon. Like we don't want to take that away from them. And I'm like, yeah, no, we do. Because- I mean, I, at first day of my classes, sometimes I'm like, all right, let's go through Stockholm syndrome. Let's go through rape culture and all these Disney movies. Yeah. And I'm like, did I just ruin your whole childhood? Good. Because, <laughs> because that's where it starts. Like that's, it, it does start, you know, with, with in, in, in childhood. And if we don't give our kids the tools it, and I'm not saying take it all away. I'm saying at least give them the tools to be able to think about it critically mm-hmm. So then they can come to terms or they can come to their own conclusions and also making sure that they have alternative, you know, representations. But critical thinking is, is, yeah, I mean, I, I've been accused of indoctrination, you know, they'll say, aren't you indoctrinating your students into feminism? Who says this? People. (laughs) Family. Primos, you know, people, I mean, people in your own family will say, aren't you you indoctrinating your students? And I'm like, number one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, kind of, and I'm okay with that one. And on the other hand, I actually say it's de-indoctrination. You assume that we haven't already been indoctrinated into a particular way of thinking. I mean, Mm -hmm. look at our history books. When our history books Mm -hmm. romanticize violence and colonization and genocide, have not we been indoctrinated to believing that all of that is okay? So true. And what (laughs) what a perspective shift, you know, you're just, it's just a reframe, but realistically, that's how it works. Like, whatever we are learning right now, it's just unlearning what we've already been taught. And, and I think that's kind of where I'm headed when I, when I think about my homeschooling journey is like, I don't want to have to, I don't want her to have to re-educate, to unlearn things. I want her to just be able to learn Uh things and believe for herself what she wants to believe. Going back to Mm -hmm. like you, you mentioned um, like the way that we're taught, I'm thinking of simple examples in my mind of like experiences, like when you're cooking in the kitchen with someone and they tell you like, this is how you do this. This is how you sift flour, for example. And I'm just like, as a kid, you just take their word for it and say, okay, that's how you sift flour. You just assume forever that that's the right way to do that Mm -hmm. for that recipe, Mm -hmm. for example, you know? Um, I saw you making fideo the other day on your Instagram and I was like, Ooh, I gotta make some fideo. fideo. That sounds good. But then every family recipe, same thing, right? Is a different family recipe. I was just going to say that because even in that instance, the way you can reframe that is to say, this is how we sift flour. Right. And that's what I I want you to know that there are, everybody does it differently and it's okay. Right. That's exactly what I was getting at is that because kids take our word for it, we have to be very careful with the way we talk to them. I feel like a lot of people think in my family included, like that I'm very radical in my ideas and what I'm doing is so strange Mm -hmm. and weird. And why don't I just do it the way everyone else does it? But realistically, that's why, because it's not, it's not that I want her to do it my way. I want her to know that there's other ways to do things. 
I think that's so important because I remember being in college and being like, I never knew there was another way of thinking about time. It was like, I was like, <laughs> I never, I always just thought it was this. I always, you know, it was taught this one way as a way as it was capital T truth, you know, and, and how important it is to talk about that um, with our children. So they know there's multiple ways of celebrating. Like right now we're talking about winter. And celebrations around the return, the darkest day, the return of the light, and how people call this so many things in our world, right? Mm-hmm. And, but our family, we feel really good about calling it. And then I'll actually say, what do you like calling it? And he's like, oh, I like Navidad. He likes it because of Disneyland, by the way. But <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going to call it Navidad. I think that sounds beautiful, babe, you know? And that we know what that means to us. And we know people call that a bunch of different things, you know? I think that it behooves us to teach our kids the truth now so that they're not traumatized by it in 18 years. (laughs) I remember that. I remember, you know, because, and, and, and here's it. And and I'll say this because I was in, um, at my, at my, my children's school, (laughs) I will, I will, I feel lucky enough that I was um, invited into the pedagogy committee <laughs> because those of us on the diversity committee were asking, you know, when do you teach these certain things? When do you teach about colonization? When do you teach about genocide? When do you teach about Holocaust? When do you teach about these things? And because Waldorf is a very heavy on child development and like teaching things to children when they're, when their brains and, and they're developmentally ready, there's sometimes this conflict between you know, when we can teach about violent shit, right? Like the real shit. And then when they're, so there's this kind of like, you know, thing. And and then Waldorf is also very right, white, you know, Eurocentric. So there's all this reckoning happening. And so, you know, at least at our school, I think they're, they're really trying to figure out how to kind of create space for all of that. And so anyway, so I was invited into, um, this pedagogy committee and, and, and that was the conversation. I said, look, you don't want your students to be in my college classroom and be traumatized. I don't want my kids to be traumatized by the truth by the time they get to 18, you know, by the time they get to college. I go, yeah, I know it's ugly now, but if we give it to them in in pieces <laughs> and we and we still hold to the the nature of Waldorf, which is child development, and we figure out a way to give them truth in a way that, you know, like, I'm not saying go and tell them the gory details of shit. Yeah, it has right? to be age appropriate. It you can know. be, but it can't be age, but we can't go on the other and be like, no, we just have to shield them from it. And it's like, yeah. no. We read The People Will Continue. Is that what the name of the book is? Yeah. We read that one, um, Jaguar and I this year. And I remember when you read it to Cruz and he cried. And, the first um, time, yeah. It brought up lots of conversation. He's like, what are boarding schools, mom? And I was like, oh, oh let's God. boarding schools. What is, yeah. what is ashamed, mom? And I was like, oh, so it, I brought up a lot of good questions, you know? Um, and I think those are good, good ones to process. And that's, through. and it doesn't have to be that complicated, right? Because I think we as adults think it's, we overcomplicate things. The same yeah. thing, Christina, the first time I read the book, Cruz had a very visceral reaction. I think I, I, I forgot who I was. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a shitty mom. <laughs> I traumatized my kid. And then we read it again the next year and he had a lot more questions, but took it in. And then we just read it again the other day. Um, and Cruz said, um, does that still, he kind of asked the question knowing the answer, but you know, he needed validation. And he said, is that a true story? And I said, yes. And he says, does that still happen or is it getting worse? And I said, well, the truth is it's always 
been happening, but a lot of people really like to ignore it. I go, now people are not ignoring it anymore. So it feels like it's getting worse. Um, and then I said, but I believe that it's going to get, it has to get worse before it gets better. And I think, and I told him, I said, there's a lot of people out in the world that are doing everything they can to make it a better world. And so, mm -hmm. and I was like, is that feel okay? And he was kind of like, uh, you know, and I was like, okay, I said, we are going to do, and I said, that's why it's important that we do everything we can to make mm -hmm. it a better world. And, and I've talked to him before about like what I do. And so he says, thank you, mama, for doing that. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a moment of like, he saw me like, you know, that's what my mama does. And so I was like, okay, but I also brought it back to him. And I was like, and we can all do, you know, you can do things. We can all, you know, be advocates and, um, and um, like, and, and that was it. It was like a, I read the book. It was like a five minute conversation. And that was it. Mm -hmm. We went back to norm. I had to read star, star Wars, you know, after that, like, <laughs> we went back to like normal life. Right. And so I think that's the thing is that people are so afraid to like have these, these dirty, messy conversations, these scary conversations, because we're going to traumatize them. Meanwhile, all we're doing is, is prolonging the inevitable on one hand. And two, I'm like, but y'all can go watch like these other craziest shit on TV and, and that's okay. Yeah. But we can talk about like the real violence that happens in the world. Yeah. We read the color of us afterwards. It's always a good one. <laughs> yeah, I love love that we can talk about the correlation between the ways that you interact with your kids and the ways that you interact with your students. Because mm -hmm. I feel like when you mentioned, you know, teaching your kid, your students about self-care, that's also a theme that they may not be familiar with yet. You know, that could also be something that they've never learned about or even had language for, you know? So yeah. I make also, it an assignment, I will say now. I make yeah. it an assignment. And it's connected to community care too. And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So all of these themes that are not radical ideas, they're actually, like you said, human ideas, right? They're, these are human themes of life that you're integrating into your work um, in, you know, in the, the university. So I think that's really cool. And then also to see you know, you teaching your kids empathy. That's really what you're teaching them in those moments is that you're teaching them empathy. You're teaching by not shielding them from the horrible things that do happen in the world. You know, all these systems of oppression, you're making that less of a blow in the future, but you're also teaching them how to show empathy now. And on our best days, on our best days, I have to say, I think that like, I want to also be very like transparent because I, it can e it can be very easy to also stand on these mm -hmm. things and say, oh, these are all the things that we're doing, but we're also fucking human. And there's days when we fail hard. <laughs> there's days where I'm like, how are you the daughter of, a or how are you the son of a feminist, right? Like, you know, when they say things and I'm like, oh God, where are they getting this? Or, you know, or just, just things. And so- yeah. I, I want to be transparent about that either, that I, for all the work that we do, it doesn't mean, because, and I've said this before, like, 
we were never given the manual on how to parent from a decolonial feminist perspective. We were given the manual on how to parent from a white supremacist patriarchal perspective. And so when Mm -hmm. situations Mm -hmm. come up, we're like, how do we, how do we handle this situation? Um, And, you know, we're like fumbling our way through it and maybe we just completely get it wrong. But I think it's, it's, you know, again, what Leslie would tell us, (laughs) it's not about the mistake. It's about the repair. (laughs) And it's like the rupture, right? Like we, and so, and I think it's like, for me, I have to remind myself, like, I'm committed to this. So just because I made that mistake doesn't mean I give it up altogether. It just means we recommit, you know, the next day or the next moment Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And and I just want to also make that clear because I don't want it to seem like we're just these amazing professor moms who are not falling at every, you know, every moment because it happens. Yeah. I just, it's so hard. I just want to say life is life is so challenging with little children with mm-hmm. children with these like beings that are like amazing and but it's like carrying your heart like out in the world that just walks around <laughs> you know and it's heartbreaking it's and then yeah not yeah. learning as we go I mean I guess that's what parenting is called but like learning <laughs> a whole new way of relating with beings you know with each other with ourselves along the journey it's this is why we need the community yeah Yeah. my best days with my students instead of being like good job I'll say I see you (laughs) I see that you wrote an essay like I like I observe use that observational language instead of like celebratory (laughs) but but on my 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 worst I feel like I'm just like super upset jaguar the other day i was like i don't want to wear these things mama anymore because they're girlish and i was just like no they're not <laughs> they don't, don't have gender <laughs> please wear it you know <laughs> yeah 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 i i i i totally am there with you sometimes santos will be like um oh that toy is a girl toy and i'm like anybody can play with that toy it doesn't matter their gender you know <laughs> Um, and I'm, and so in my head, I'm like, fuck, I have failed this kid, right? Like I, you know, if any of my feminist friends saw this kid say something, right? But I, but it's also like, we're, we're still contending with the world they live in, right? Like we're still contending with that. And it's, and I also think we have to give room for our kid because I think the other, the other thing is that their job is to kind of resist us, right? Like their, their, their job is to kind of come into their own on their own and we're there to kind of guide them. And so I think we can sometimes do the opposite where we're like forcing them to think in this feminist way that can be harmful as well instead of just recognizing that sometimes kids go through phases, right? And, you know, and as long as you are holding your values and, and model that, you know, mm-hmm. I was a bratty kid when I was 11, when I went to Mexico. <laughs> And I was like, I don't want to speak Spanish. Like I was such a fucking bratty little American kid when I went to see my dad's Mexico for the first time. And I was like, I don't want to speak Spanish. And 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 so now like I see Cruz sometimes resisting like the Spanish language. And I I like I, it hurts me, but I'm also like, it's okay, it's okay, because we're just we're gonna keep doing it. And 
it'll like he'll eventually come around or it like and and I, all I can tell him is like this is just who we are there's nothing to reject it's who we are mm-hmm. um but also mm-hmm. just like not getting mad at him for resisting it either right mm-hmm. and, and essentially that's what you're teaching your kids right going back to like philosophy and pedagogy like you are teaching your kids and your students how to question how to resist yeah. And the hard part is when they flip it on you and they, they, you know what I mean? like, they use the tools you right. gave them against you. But You're like, God damn. that's what always brings me back to groundedness is like ah. when we're, cause Corey and I struggle too, you know, I'm not, again, we, we could talk about this all day, but it's, it's a journey for all of us, right? Like we're yeah. always winning and then taking a few steps back and then winning and then taking a few yes. steps back because yeah, we all live in this society. We're yeah. fighting these things every day, yeah. but but, you know, when they flip it on you, it's like, <laughs> I have to, I have to struggle to bury my ego a little bit and be like, yep. this isn't about me. She's doing what I've asked her to do. Yep. She's yeah. questioning authority just as yep. I've asked her to do. Yep. And she sees me as an authority figure, but because we do have that relationship too, you know, we, yeah. like you said, you, know, you want to be their, their aunties and their friends. Like, yeah, I want to be best friends with my kid. You know? I want to be my, <laughs> I wanna be my favorite person in the world. But yeah. I can't all the time because she she won't fucking respect me. So know? I think that's such a good point because I, on the other hand, <laughs> I love how you flipped it around. I love it. <laughs> on the other end of that, like I've been coming to, you know, my mom and I have, have grown a lot in our relationship, but I also think I've come to a point where, because there was a time where she was my mom and I had these high expectations. Like, why can't she do this? She's my mom. And then I had to see her as a human. And I was like, okay, she's she has her own shit to do with too. Like, I have to give her grace and empathy for also being a human. You know, she can't always live up to my expectations of, of, of a mother. And so then I started to try to see her as like a fellow human. However, I also am like, I think... There's something coming up for me, like, because you were saying, Danelia, about, um, like, you want her to to resist you, like, you want her to, to question authority, but you still want her to respect you. And I think as a daughter, I also want the same in that I had, I had to tell my mom, like, I love you, but I'm still your daughter. I'm not your homie. I'm not your friend. It's not mm-hmm. fair for you to, to... Yes or to put things on me be, like no matter what no matter how much of a co-human I see you as I we have too much baggage <laughs> there is too much for me to try to compartmentalize in the moment you know I didn't say all that but all I could and, yeah. and she's like 20 and years older than daughter, you like, right yeah you're never, you and I are never gonna be the same you still there's still things I need from you that mm-hmm. you can't need from me mm-hmm. you can't need me to be your mom you can't need me to be your friend but I can always need you to be my mom like I think yeah. that's hard in that like we want to we want to like be co-humans but and it gets back to what you were saying Christina like how can we see our aunties question our aunties but still ultimately respect them for their place in our families you know like I don't know and vice versa right like we want to push our kids and we want them to push back but ultimately our job is still to be their protector right there are awakeners, right? They, I like that we've been talking about that, how they awaken so much in us. Um, Jaguar says, I can choose my own choices. And I was like, 
Yes, yes, you can, but not in this moment because I, it's my job, <laughs> my job, my job to protect you. So you can't choose to cross the street by yourself. You know, it's like it's coming back to that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. that can still be such a humanizing experience for them, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's all about reframing it, right? Because. Yeah essentially we do have to play these roles in their lives we do have to protect them we do have to take on an authority figure in the sense that we have to make you know decisions that not everyone always likes that everyone doesn't always agree to right (laughs) but it can still be a humanizing experience you know and i think that's the most important thing yeah and i think that that's the same thing that's the same way that we approach our students, right? Because I think the other thing that comes up is that there's this perception that professors are, it's, it's again, that, that, that white supremacist idea of authority, right? The like the cop and we should respect a cop just because they're cops, right? Um, and so there's professors will kind of take on that similar role in saying like, I'm the professor, I deserve your respect, no matter what, I you should not question me. You know, I am you know, blah, parents blah, blah, like that too, right? Parents. <laughs> right, parents but they like stand on this like authority and then yield that power in an in a exploitative and maybe sometimes abusive way. And I think that that's similarly, we're trying to like, with our students to say like, no, you can question me, you know, and and you can question your other professors, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and if they don't let you, then that's not your fault, right? That's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a larger systemic issue. But, um, but I think that's the other, that's the other way we try to kind of uh, infiltrate that dynamic is to say, even though we're here as your professors, it doesn't mean we know, I tell my students, I don't know everything. I read a lot of books. Yeah but I don't know everything. And you know a lot, you like my students, I tell them you have had experiences that I will never have. Therefore you have a context for the things that I'm teaching you that I can never have. I have blind spots. And so Mm -hmm. when you share your experience, I'm learning from you as much Mm -hmm. as I hope you're learning from me. And I think to me, that's a big thing that I, I like to bring into my classroom, you know, and, and within that theme of like, reframing what authority is and reframing like those power dynamics sometimes I feel like I am taking the easy road by just removing myself from that system in some ways as a homeschooler yeah because like just homeschooling Mm. on our own you know because I've been in spaces with people who claim to be part of like you know radical spaces or who claim Mm. to really for you know brown and black people, you know, making it, succeeding, doing well, you know, Um, essentially like anti-racism, right? Like people who are white people who are for anti-racism supposedly, but are still perpetuating violence in predominantly (laughs) brown and black spaces, you know, that are meant for us to keep us safe and make us feel safe. So what I'm saying is like, I've, I've surrounded myself with like people that I want to be around because I don't want to express the energy to go and try yeah. to infiltrate those spaces. It takes mm. a lot of energy and it can be, tra- it can be re-traumatizing. Yeah. And that's, that's why I have so much respect for you all. You know, again, I don't, I'm not trying to say that like homeschoolers are taking the easy way out. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying that yeah. I personally sometimes feel, feel like that, that guilt of like, well, I'm removing myself. Not wanting to navigate. So this. I don't have to go through it because I've already you know, been, and it's I traumatizing. Think, I feel the same way because I send my kids to a private school 
And as somebody who, you know, I'm, I'm an educator through and through, I will always be a proponent of free fucking education, right? Like if education needs to be free across the board. And so some, I feel the same way. I'm like, fuck, what, am I a hypocrite? Because I'm sending my kids to a private school. But I also think that we have to like, we have to give ourselves grace for what we're creating space for, right? Like me sending my kids to a public school lets me sleep at night knowing that they're not, um, that they're safe. And I don't mean just like physically safe. I mean, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, intellectually, right? They're, I know too much about the public school system. Ignorance is blit. I mean, it's, you know, whatever. Like, it's like when you pull the curtain back, it, you can't unsee it, right? And I just, I know too much about it to want to fight that fight. That's not my fight. My fight is not in the public school system per se what and so putting my kids in a private school allows me the mental space to do these other things to create these other spaces to be a professor that can be radical within the university because if i was too worried about my kids in public school and fighting that fight every day i'd be too exhausted to go and be a good professor i think it's okay for us to allow like you being a homeschooler because you're not willing to fight that fight but it gives you space to fight the fight in other places. We can't fight the fight everywhere. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I think you fight that fight in your work as a birth worker. And also, I I also want to say that we get paid. You know, you get paid. There's a we we there's a mutuality there. Uh, it's not it's like not an even Steven, but like we're getting paid for doing that work within the institution and you are too. It's just a very different institution within birth work. But I want to say it's very different, but actually it's not very different. It's very similar. All the issues we're talking about, you encounter in your work within hospitals, within birth centers. Within and that is not a fight homes. I want to fight, let me tell you. <laughs> because I, like, when you share experience about being a birth worker in the medical industry, which is another institution, right? And I'm like, fuck, how, like, it would kill my soul every time, you know? And so I think it takes a special person to, and, and that's, I think getting back to like um, what Christine and I were saying about being so uh, grateful for the community that we're in because we all bring different gifts. And that's the truth. Like we can't all be doing the same thing, right? I mean, I think about, yeah, like if Leslie's out there, you know, <laughs> ending chocolate culture and Marla's creating, you know, homeschooling, unschooling curriculum and, you know, <laughs> and we're here trying to, you know, create these spaces for these kind of, you know, semi-intellectual conversations. And, and I think, but we're all still, our goal is the same. We're just coming at it from different places. And, um, and I think there's room for, for all of us to come to it with our different gifts and to fill in the gaps. I was thinking about this the other day because, I've been having some things around like my, uh, you know, how motherhood is, is defined. Right. And when you're a mom, you're supposed to be A, B, and C. And I'm like, I'm just not a good cook. I just, I feel like I just want to say that and I don't enjoy it. Maybe someday I will, but I don't enjoy it. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't have to enjoy it. Yes. I eat out. Yes. I order out. Yes. But you know what? <laughs> Because if I had to force myself to do something that I don't like, it would make me too depressed to do, again, to do these other things. And my mom loves cooking. So why don't I just let her cook? 
<laughs> so, you know, because, and instead of seeing it as like one mom has to be everything, this is why we have community, right? So if we think about us, even with our children, right? Like if my kid ever needs a doula, I'm like, oh, I got somebody for you, <laughs> right? If your kid yeah. ever needs yeah. to, you know, write a dissertation, right? You're like, I got somebody for you. I don't have to do it. I don't have to try so to beautiful. fight, you know, and resist myself. I can reach out to my, and that's, that's what we want, right? That's, that's real revolution. <laughs> it's real community. It's really like working together. It's, it's instead of women in competition, which patriarchy would like us to be, it's women in collaboration. It's yeah. letting our, our own unique skills develop. I love it. I will say, you know, with, um, with Jaguar just being in TK, I have yet to deal with some of these little nuances that you're talking about, about, and I'm wondering what to do moving forward, actually. It's a question. Yeah. But see, that's the thing is that we can have each other to do that, right? Like, like getting back to the idea of you not wanting to, like you homeschooling, right? And me in private school, so we're not fighting the public school fight. But one of our, somewhere one of our comadres is, and if we could support her in her doing that work, and she can support us in fighting the fight in these other spaces, then that's just as good as us all trying to fight the same fight, right? Because it's not going to do anybody any good if we're all fucking exhausted, <laughs> right? Instead of saying like, look, let's, let's all do what we need to do. And where we're really going to get the numbers is in helping, is in supporting each other, like coming back to our centers so that they can have, like I tell my students, I'm like, look, um, I'm not going to go out to March. That's just, I did my time. <laughs> you know, I did my marches. Y'all need to, because y'all are young and y'all have no other responsibilities. So I'm going to be here, the professor that gives you all this information so that you feel motivated to go out and be a body out in the world. I am better, I am better serving the world doing that than being out of March, exhausting myself and then coming home and needing to take a week to recover and not being, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I love yeah. that. I think I really appreciate you saying that because yeah, I think it's so easy to slip into that like downward spiral of like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing enough. And it's that productivity, you know, that it's kind of like, it just gets, gets you sometimes. But I do think you're right. Like we all play a role somehow. And that's what this podcast is all about, you know, is like exploring the multiple dimensions of us all that help us embody who we are in the world too. You know, it's, it's, we all do it in so many different ways. So with that, I do want to ask you one last question. I feel like we could talk about this all day because we do, <laughs> like we, we, will, we will, and we do. I want to give folks a chance to follow you if they don't are if they're not already familiar with your work and also for you to tell us what upcoming offerings you have for this <laughs> coming year so um before i do that i want to ask you the question i ask every guest on this podcast which is how do you embody your highest self and so i'd like you each to answer that i know it's a big one <laughs> but um yeah mm. tell us how do you embody your highest self so I will say I've been on a higher self journey really in the last probably two years, but definitely I think in the last year, really a lot, um, lots more meditation, lots more spiritual work. And I don't mean religious, I mean, spiritual, you know, connecting to spirit guides, connecting to ancestors um, allowing my magical gifts, you know, reading tarot, 
um, channeling, right? Um, I think um, really just connect, like, yeah, just kind of connecting to literally connect into my higher self by by taking the time in my day to do it I think before I lived a life where I was like rushing through things and I'm like no meditation needs to be a daily part of my life and whatever that looks like if it looks like pulling tarot cards if it looks like writing if it looks like literally meditating and sitting there in stillness for a couple minutes whatever it looks like there needs to be a time in my day um to kind of just ground myself yeah Cool, I, love I love that. I feel like it's so much in connection, honestly. Um, I uh, I was going to say meditation. I was also going to say um, like cuddling with my kid, you know, um, and my dog, um, really being present to them instead of on my phone all the time or, you know, or thinking, <laughs> or thinking about my work, which is work too, right? Thinking about work. Uh, and um, I have in my planner that Renee gave me so long ago. It's almost <laughs> coming to its end, Renee. I know. Um, but my daily goals or my weekly goals are to dance, to eat a plant-based diet, and to cuddle with my kids. Aww. And then my visions are um, to have healthy relationships with my kids, self-confidence that is sacred and vulnerable, and to travel to beautiful places or to be among beauty. Um mm. And I have to have that written every week. <laughs> every week <I laughs> to remind yourself, right? To remind myself that's my goals. Those are my goals, you know. Um, that's how I live into my um, embody. I love the, in the word embody. Embody my high, my 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 true self. Can yeah. I also add our podcast? I <laughs> that it's been a space for us to just be who we are. Like I think that. So, to again, you know, we all know the, the nuances of being in the university. And so there's a certain performativity we have to kind of do there, you know, to balance out, you know, being in that space. But I think in our podcast, we're really allowed to just be authentically who we are, to rant and rave, to talk to people we love and care about, you know, um, and and just and not feel any not have any inhibitions about what we're gonna say about what people are gonna think you know I think that's really been a space that we've you know feel like we can kind of grow and just be our true selves you know so yeah and it feels wonderful oh go for it go 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 I was just resonating with that because I feel like that's what this is for me you know it's like an it's an it's a step forward in that self-exploration self-love highest self you know reveal that I'm able to fully be myself and be with people I love who already love me for being who I am you know mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like we could just have conversations like we always do but we get to share yeah. them with people who maybe yes. ideas are new to you know mm -hmm. I love that I think I'm so so happy for you to you know step into this space and I can't wait to see what comes you know and I just love being here with you now, just the present, you know, the future is to come, but the present's really here. And it's so really lovely. I was going to say that I think it is from that um, authenticity um, and cultivating that in not just in this somewhat private circle, that's also quite public, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, but um, being, being in spaces like this that uh, um, allow that are safe enough for our authentic, you know, true selves is so important. And I think it's from that space that we've been able to cultivate um, the book club, the writing course, 
And the word trust has been coming up quite a lot. You know, trust between us, each other as creative partners, trust within this community that we've been a part of or developing within Southern California, albeit somewhere far away. And then trust within the people who are interested in these conversations in in our authentic way of being that is new to them or is not new but also just kind of affirms that it is a way of being that they always knew was there you know even though the educational system the religious systems whatever have told them no they know you know that 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 it's true and real so to me that's yeah, I think I think the same thing. I think that that's all I try to do for my students is to like validate the shit they already knew. I'm like, yeah. yes, that is racist. Yes, that is sexist. And now they mm-hmm. get they have a language by which to articulate what they already are experiencing. Yeah, total affirming validation. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we do that a lot as parents too, right? Mm-hmm. Like at least giving them a space to tell us what they think. You don't not necessarily validating, but validating the sense the validating the fact that they have, they have the opportunity to have an idea about how things work. Mm -hmm. Even if Mm -hmm. it's not what I think is right, or what you think is right, it's what they think is right. And we can validate that that's an option too, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. It comes full circle. Thank you all so much for being here with me. I do want to ask you to share where people can find you, where people can support you and what offerings you have coming up this year. Okay. So lasdoctoras.net we're on instagram at las.doctoras and we have oh and patreon.com slash (laughs) lasdoctoras we have a book club that we run um you can join our patreon for 20 bucks a month and we get amazing guest speakers to come to our book club and we also have a writing course that right now we're finishing kind of on the tail end of, but we're definitely yeah. going to be offering it again in the new year and possibly think, expanding it. Yeah, I think that's what we want to speak to. I think going into uh, imposter syndrome when it comes to writing and our own writing voices and then facilitating spaces that allow people to really deconstruct that too with us, you know, yeah. um, to co-collaborate on spaces where we yeah. come into our remember remember our writing voices you know decolonize writing like I mean it comes back to our experience in education right like we were told these are the rules of writing and we're trying to create space where like let's just fucking throw out all the rules and just write for the sake of writing and write as self-expression write as self-care write to own our stories to own the stories of our ancestors Um, the course is called writing to our ancestors (laughs) It's so, so good already. It's, yeah. it's just so beautiful. I can't wait to do it again. Honestly. Yeah. So you can find all information on our website or Instagram. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and all of your stories and all these beautiful revelations that always come out of the conversations <laughs> that we have together. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate it all. And congratulations mm-hmm. on your two years of Las Doctoras podcast. Oh, yay. <laughs> Thank you. And congratulations on your new venture. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Love you both. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.